Welcome to the Heal and Jobber podcast, a wrestling podcast with myself, Luke, and my co-host, Lauren, in which we talk about all things sports entertainment. In this week, we're going to talk about WWE Payback, which happened in the past Saturday, alongside the following Monday Night Raw and Friday Night Smackdown. Hopefully, this podcast will be for the ears of wrestling fans, but also those who like wrestling but don't get to watch it too much because they probably have a busy lifestyle. <laughs> Not saying we don't, do we, Lauren? We're quite busy. But anyways, let's start off with WWE Payback. This happened this past Saturday with the first match of the night, Trish Jattis versus Becky Lynch. It was a, a really good match to start with. Um, extraordinary performance, actually, and probably one for a match of the year for the women's division. It was a hard-hitting bout that left both women with physical reminders and included two jaw-dropping spots, which we'll get into. Um, I think this match would have been probably been better at SummerSlam because SummerSlam is a bigger event. Um, but it happened to payback. But nevertheless, good match. Lauren, what are your thoughts? So this is actually one of my favourite matches of the night. I love this. Um, leading up to this, I think we can both agree, we didn't really care about this match. There were so many, you know, matches on Raw that had happened. SummerSlam, I think, was there one of Money in the Bank? Zoe kept getting involved. It just seemed like they were dragging this fight out forever. But actually, this fight was incredible. I loved it. I thought it was amazing. It was a steel cage fight. And I think that element just added so much to it and really showcased both um, both athletes. Yeah, as if I missed the uh, important uh, important <laughs> matchup that it was steel cage. Yes, it was a steel cage. But uh, to your point that yeah, this this feud just dragged out quite a lot because I believe the first fight was in Saudi Arabia, Clash of the Clash of the Champions. Yeah. Um, I was going to say Clash of the Castle because it's no. like the same thing. Night of Champions. Night of Champions. There we go. God, wrestling fans are we. But yeah, it, it dragged out a bit too long. Um, and the storyline, it never really matched the magnitude of the most influential women in the in the, in the divisions. You know, Trish coming from sort of that attitude era. Trish is someone I knew growing up. Uh, you know, you're new to the, to the world of uh, sports entertainment and wrestling, so it's new for you. But then Becky Lynch sort of, she was kind of like the Trish Stratish mid-era, I suppose, when we started going to PG. But yeah, th- it never really met up to expectations, did it? Until we got to this this point in time, which is what, four months? Yeah. So the match started very in character with Trish just trying to escape. You know, she just wants a win, cheaper how she can be. She wants to get the win. So she just tries to escape. Um, and Becky brings her the fight. It's very quick pace to begin with, which I really, really liked. Um, one thing that I think we both agreed on, though, is the cage felt really weak mm-hmm. during the match. So there was multiple elements where the women were hitting each other's heads onto the cage. And obviously, looking back at the Attitude Era where they blade each other, I mean, the, the cage felt damaging. The cage felt like it was another weapon. But in this one, the cage felt weak. You're felt... learning, Lauren. You said blading. You're learning. This is what this podcast is all about. And this is about what's bringing... Sports entertainment. All right, Sarky. Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> that was sarcastic of me. They didn't blade each other, though. They bladed themselves. Yeah. Um, there was a couple of really, really lovely elements into it. So one thing I think you mentioned is um, both women paid homage to Lita and Victoria, yeah. who were the first women to ever do a steel cage match. Yeah, yeah. So paying homage to the competitors involved in the first one steel cage match, Victoria and Lita. Um, so Stratus broke out the Widow's Peak. That was uh, for Victoria and Lynch delivered a twist of fate, which yeah. is kind of cool for Leo. And yeah. considering that this match was all about who is the biggest pioneer of the women's industry, it was really nice that they brought that aspect into it. I really, really liked that. Um, there was a mo- moment which was probably the highlight of the match for me, which both women climbed to the top of the steel cage 
um, and Be uh, Trish got her feet stuck in the cage. Yep. And during this, she fell backwards and slammed herself back onto the cage. So she's literally dang dangling from the top of this 10-foot cage by her feet, which at the age of 47, to have that core strength and that quad strength to be able to, you know, hold yourself back and then also pull yourself back up was absolutely insane. Like, I thought it was incredible. Yeah, 100%. And that then went in from that into a suplex from the top of the, the stage. So Becky then pulls Trish up they get into a suplex and from the top of a 10 foot stage, they go slamming into the, the um, ring. It was absolutely incredible. Both women did a spectacular job. It was, it was definitely the highlight of that match. Yeah, that was one of my biggest takeaways from that match was uh, the, the superplex from the top of the cage. Um, like you said, Trish being 47 years old, I've been doing this for so long. Like, that, that are bound to hurt both women, but I felt like Trish taking the big impact of that. That has got to shake some bones. Um, why was it a steel cage match though? So steel cage match, the reason for it is because obviously Trish has her sidekick Zoe Stark. Zoe kept getting involved with all the matches and they said, okay, let's stop her getting involved. Let's do a steel cage match. But what happened at the end? Zoe gets involved. So it kind of did defeat the purpose of why they had this match. Yeah, yeah. So right at the end, uh, you know, because you can, you can win the match by pinfall submission. You can climb over the cage or you can leave the cage door which i think is such a stupid thing to do um but yeah zoe stark gets involved at the end um doesn't doesn't really impact becky lynch's performance becky lynch still comes out on top uh, uh and wins the match it's quite funny though because Corey graves uh actually called out during the match um that the steel cage was intended to keep stark out and i think we were sat there thinking the exact same thing so um thank you for Corey graves for calling out the most obvious thing to our fans as well but I mean I think we can both agree we're happy the feud is over it ended on a massive highlight it's done they can put it to bed um, and obviously it ended with Zoe getting involved not being able to save Trish and so Trish then turns on Zoe and um, it was actually really nice I think did Trish slap Zoe in the face yeah so yeah so and then you're right yeah sorry it's Trish Trish slaps Zoe in the face and then Zoe delivers a Z360 which is such a cool finishing move. I love that. Spinning her around, knee in the back. I, I really, I think it's a bit different from some of the stuff we see from the women. So really, really cool finisher. Um, and yeah, hopefully, you know, we may see Trish back. I hope that this isn't her retiring. I hope she stays in. We maybe will see a feud with Zoe. But I'm just really glad that that feud has been put to bed now. I think um, I think she'll be out for a few, few, few months or a few weeks just because it was a hard-hitting match. She had that huge welt on her head from the steel cage as well. Um, but yeah, uh, the feud's over, you know, the relationship between Zoe Stark and Trish Stratus is over now. Does this eliminate the heel character from Zoe Stark? I hope so. I, to be honest, she plays a really good heel. I like her as a heel. I'm a big fan of Zoe Stark. I think there's big things for her to come. I do like her heel character, but I just think she's been really suppressed as um, Trish's sidekick. And there's so many more things she can do as a solo competitor. I love to see a feud with Rhea. I think her and Rhea Ripley would be an insane feud. Um, I wouldn't mind um, seeing her feud with someone like Liv Morgan. I think that could be a good feud as yeah, well cool. um, when Liv is returned. So I think there's so much to come from Zoe. Um, it was a really nice introduction, but I want to see her go off now as a solo solo person. Yeah, I, I, I just agree with you. But Lauren, let me talk to you about <laughs> L.A. Knight. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, L.A. Knight. You didn't expect that, did you? I didn't. <laughs> so L.A. Knight and The Miz face off at WWE Payback as well with a special guest referee, 
you can't see me, Mr. John Cena. Uh, why he was involved, I don't know. Maybe because there's a strike over all the, on all the movies. He wants, he wants more work. But anyways, what did you think about this, Lauren? So, um, leading up to it, I thought both men are incredible on the mic. So, I've only recently gotten into wrestling, and the Miz to me, my first interaction with him was at WrestleMania, and I didn't think much of him. He hosted WrestleMania, he had a few jobber fights afterwards, didn't think much of him. Obviously, you as a veteran WWE watcher had been telling me now the Miz is incredible, and oh my god, he showed that with all the lead up to this fight. His um, mic work is absolutely insane, and it really heightened LA Knight. Not that he needed heighten him, yeah, but it really, really intensified LA Knight's charisma as well on the mic. So I thought both men were incredible. Um, the fight itself fell a bit flat for me. Have to admit. I'm gonna stop you there, Lauren, because you said something really interesting about the Miz and his mic work. He said something really interesting at Payback when John Cena came out, and that was, "You're almost 50 years old, and you're still dressing like a Teletubby." Yeah, he, he did. He also made a joke, something like Cena asked him for advice um, and he replied saying, don't be a mermaid in the Barbie movie. Yeah. He's just quick. He's just funny. I know it's all written for him, but I just feel like he presents the character so well. He's just, he's got that heel, heel uh, character to, to down to a team. Yeah, the, the Miz deserves his flowers. And for those of you who have been uh, other, other wrestling fans in the past, you, you'll know that. But yeah, onto the fight, Lauren. Yeah, so started with Miz refusing to fight very in character, didn't want the fight, didn't see why you should have to fight, especially with Cena as ref. The crowd were insane during this match. All you heard throughout the match was, can you do it, Luke? Yeah. That constant, yeah, throughout. It was really, really funny. Cena as a ref? Not sure, not sure I rate him as a ref to begin with. He wasn't really doing any count-outs. Um, you know, he wasn't really getting that involved. But I think he came into it as the match went on. He came into yeah, that Yeah, I feel like he, for, for someone who's... Uh, what they call the greatest of all time. I felt like he forgot what he was supposed to be doing as a referee. There was multiple times where the Miz and Ellie Knight were outside the ring on the mat, and uh, he should have been counting, and he wasn't counting. But I suppose that that that's that's the uh, that's the uh, events of a special guest referee, right? So I'm gonna be controversial here, okay, and I'm gonna say it. I thought the Miz was hilarious in character, great. Um, I thought Ellie Knight was average. I think LA Knight's character is brilliant. I really like LA Knight. I think his in-ring work, he needs to improve on. I thought he was pretty average in the fight. And I thought his signature move was crap. Like, he kind of has a rock, the rock style signature it's more, move. It's more like a, no, it's not the rock. It's more like a mixed up Stone Cold stunner. But rather than hitting your ass to the canvas, you sort of just fly, yeah. fling them forward. But the Miz just got up. He did it to The Miz. The Miz got up as if nothing had hit him, which is probably an issue for The Miz. The Miz should have reacted more to it. Um, but it was just pretty crap, to be honest. I, I, I really do think that Ellie Knight, every match he has, something goes slightly wrong in. And I, I think he's going to be massive, but I do think he needs has a bit of work to do. But, but why do you notice that there's always something going wrong with his matches because you're watching it with intent. Yeah. The LA Knight is such a huge character right now that when he comes on your screen, you're watching. Yeah. And, and the pop for LA Knight was without a doubt enormous. It always is since that SmackDown before Money in the Bank, which we attended, it's been huge. And it's, it's, I think it's fair to say that maybe LA Knight maybe might not be the future of the WWE right now because he's 40 years old. He's, he's maybe coming to the end of his career. But... The company need to recognise him, they need to recognise his performance and I think with the time they have, push him for a title, because he doesn't have a title yet, 
might not mean not might not mean a world title, but it should make him a focal point, and um, it should put him in high high profile stories and feuds. Yeah. So LA Knight ends up winning, um, and then you know he flings up his little symbol that he does. I never know what that means. Yeah, it's almost. Uh, so I I I thought it meant LA Knight the symbol. He's got so put three three fingers up one hand and four fingers up the other. I don't know. How how do you relay this in a podcast to, show, to tell people what it looks like? Anyways, I found out that it's got nothing to do with LA Knight. It actually spells out Eli backwards because uh, I think it's Eli Drake used to be his name when he was at uh, TNA Impact. And he's just never stopped doing it oh, since. That's interesting. So, yeah, this is, that's what my source, Reddit. I don't know how <laughs> believable that is, but that's what Reddit's saying and I'll go with them. I believe Reddit over any other news out there at the moment. So following um, payback, Ooh, political. <laughs> <laughs> following payback, um, Monday Night Raw, the Miz comes out, and the Miz does probably one of the most incredible segments I've ever seen. He has um, two chairs on stage, one well, in the ring, one for himself, and one for his special guest. Um, his best special guest being the great John Cena. Um, but what was the issue, Luke? Uh, well, you couldn't see John Cena. <laughs> so John Cena's music hits and Stu the cameraman um, goes up to the to the entrance uh, um, of the curtain and nothing's coming out. But he's also following as if John Cena was actually there, follows John Cena running down to the ring and then follows John Cena into the chair. But John Cena's completely invisible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so The Miz does a, a, a segment where he is interviewing John Cena but he's just interviewing an, invis- an invisible man sat in a chair, essentially. But, oh, my God, he plays the character so well. Like, he's interviewing him, and, you know, he looks like he's listening. He looks like he's shocked by some things he's saying. He argues back, going, why aren't you answering sometimes? Yeah. Like, it was such a good segment. Like, fair play to it. It must be, like, I think if I did that, I'd want to laugh. Yeah. I would. I, I find it hilarious, but you just can't see it. Like, he's so serious while he's doing that, and there's I love a, the Miz for it. There's a point in the, in the segment in which uh, he tells uh, John Cena to get out of the ring, but John Cena stands up and pushes the Miz, so Miz reacts as if he's actually being pushed, then fights back with him and delivers uh, a star-studded finisher on him and lays John Cena down in the ring, apparently. <laughs> but, I think something to note that I wanted to add to it is, throughout all of this... All the do, all the crowd are doing is shouting yeah, like the entire time, and so it's great because the Miz is using that he's bouncing off that, but it's so funny. It's it just shows how powerful LA Knight is that he's not even there. He's definitely not coming out because he's technically on SmackDown, and yet the whole crowd are just shouting yeah at the Miz because that's how powerful and how impactful he is. He's over right now, and WWE need to recognize that. And I hope to see some gold around his way soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so he did also come out on SmackDown, didn't he, LA Knight? Yeah, um, did a bit of a promo there too, uh, sort of fighting back uh, on The Miz, because the, the Miz, pre-payback, dressed up as LA Knight, did a segment there, and now he's playing make-believe with John Cena, and LA Knight points that out within his segment. Yeah, one thing I noticed, and I mean, you can't really compare crowds, because let's be honest, some American pri- crowds are absolute shit and just stay silent. Some American crowds are absolutely insane. So you can't really compare crowds. But one thing I noticed is The Miz got a bigger crowd reaction in terms of whilst doing the promo, promo than LA Knight did. When The Miz was talking, everyone was constantly shouting, yeah, back to him. Whereas when LA Knight was talking, it was silent. And is that because they just listened to what he's saying? But he just didn't seem to... Obviously, there was a massive pop when he came out. 
but when he was actually doing the talking there didn't seem to be as much crowd interaction of them shouting yeah at him so I don't know if that's just because the Miz is better at getting the crowd pumped um, or if it's just because everyone was listening to LA Knight. I think it's more to do with uh, the promo that the Miz did was quite unique in a sense that he's playing into the joke that you can't see John Cena it's just him in the ring with a make-believe person and I think like like you said it goes to show Miz's talent on the mic but also Miz's acting skills I mean he's not at that level of maybe like The Rock or John Cena is an acting but he's still very good so when Ellie Knight did his segment, um, Theory and Waller came out. Austin um, Theory, Jason Waller. Yeah, new tag team that's forming. I find it hilarious that they both claim they are the only undefeated tag team on the whole WWE roster because purely they've had one match and they won that one match. <laughs> um, but, you know, I actually love them two as a tag team. I, I was um, going to ask you that question. I was going to yeah. say, what do you think of those two as a tag team? So I love Grayson Waller. I think his character is incredible. Um and I think Austin Theory's in-ring work is incredible. I don't like Austin Theory purely because I think when he talks, he, he's just the worst heel character you can imagine. He's so unbelievable. Um, and I think as a parent, they will learn a lot from each other. I think that um, Theory can learn a lot from Waller about how to pay, play a heel, how to get the crowd going. And Waller can learn from Theory how to improve his in-works in ring work so yeah. I think they're going to be a really good tag team I think they're going to bring the best out in each other they complement each other yeah. and, you, and you said something interesting there where like Theory's not great on the mic but he's really good in ring and mm. I'd, I'd agree with you there um, he's a smooth worker he's not flashy and he, he, he does not need to be he's athletic and he's solid um, so so yeah hopefully those two go far with, with their tag mm. team lineup. I think but uh, I would I would kind of want to see Theory as as a face at some point. I, I just think he's played the heel character too long now, and I want to see him as a face. I want to get behind him. I don't want to be against him. Did he come from NXT? I believe so. I believe he came from NXT. It's, it's a while back now, because um, I stopped watching at that point, but I believe he came from NXT, and Vince McMahon oh, put him as the future mm-hmm. of the WWE. He did, he did a Drew McIntyre on him, mm-hmm. um, and that's when he, I think he, he pushed to do the United States Champion, but... I remember seeing Austin Theory at Clash of the Castle live and he had the money in the bank. He gets knocked out by Tyson Fury because <laughs> he tries to cash it in. I believe Austin Theory is maybe one of two people that only ever cashed in his money in the bank, not on the WWE or World Heavyweight Championship. Well, at that time would have been the Universal Championship and WWE Championship. Mm-hmm. He's the only person to cash in on something else. So does, that, does that make him seem weak, though? Because surely he's not cashed in on those because he knows he can't win them. He doesn't feel like he's good enough to win them. He's cashed them in on a mid-card title, really. Is that is that weak or is that intelligent? Is that yeah. going, right, well, I know I'm not at the level to beat the top guy right now at Roman Reigns, which is on a three-year streak of being the champion. I want gold around my belt. I want to be relevant. Is that smart? I can see Theory being a champion in the future, um, but I think for the next... F- probably a year or so at least, he needs to go down to the mid-card, work on his character, work out what he wants to actually do with it, um, and improve on that before he goes back up to a title chance. He seems to be getting a lot of title chances. Obviously, he fought Rey Mysterio again, and I just think they need to drop him as a title champion for a bit, let him work on his character, work out where he wants to go, and then bring him back in. Because like we say, his in-ring work is very good. It's just his mic work, his character that needs more. He's got a he's got a hugely bright future. He's only 26 years old. He's built like a brick house. He's really good in the ring. 
He's just he's, he just needs to work on his character. That's all it is. I can I can see Austin Theory in the future being a WWE champion. So now, should we move on to probably our favorite faction at the moment? Would you say our favorite faction? And this this is one of my candidates of match of the year. Hundred oh, percent. It it took me back to the Attitude Era. It took me back to the Hardy Boys versus Edge and Christian versus the Dudley Boys. It had all the elements of just that like team extreme to it. And it was really like surprising to have that within it, you know what I mean? But we're of course talking about the Steel City street fight between the Judgment Day, Finn Balor and Damian Priest versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship. Championship, so almost couldn't get out then. After four months of frustrating results, because for four months straight long, could you believe this? That it, it was almost Kevin and Sammy versus the Judgment Day in every main event of Raw. Yeah. How tiring was that? It was. We couldn't have seen a different rendition of that match if they pulled it out of their ass. Yeah. But this one this one felt new and fresh. So yeah, after four months of Judgment Day, finally got the best to Sammy Zayn and Kevin Owens as Damian Priest and Finn Balor captured the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships, although not by themselves, they had help with their friends. Yeah, so obviously this was a street fight, so there was absolutely no rules, um, no disqualifications, no count outs. And this match was about as chaotic as you can imagine. Right from the start, it was so fast paced. It was just it was it was an absolute mess of a match and because of that it was absolutely incredible it's exactly what you want from a street fight so um judgment day came out and god they looked they looked good when they came out they looked powerful they looked ready for a fight there's, there's like they're playing a heel and then there's looking like a heel and judgment day look like heels yeah so um weapons come out almost immediately you know they get uh tables candlesticks trash cans chairs um, a stack of chairs in the ring yeah, at one point there was a really nice moment where they've got finn in the ring finn has a trash can on him um sammy and kevin both have a candlestick each and they are absolutely smashing the shit into finn um which is really really funny to watch Sammy and ko the entire match played into the crowd so well didn't yeah, they 100%. so the crowd are there. Obviously, the minute any sort of fight like this happens, the crowd is shouting, we want tables. Um, and Sammy and Ko are there going, what do you want? What do you want? Pull out a table. The loudest cheer you can imagine comes out for it. Um, and all throughout it, they're just playing into the crowd, getting the crowd going, which was really, really good. I really like that. So, so Owens and Zayn are pretty much in full control of the match. They sort of take things into, into the crowd, into the audience. Um, but... NXT North American Championship, Ray Dominic Mysterio comes out, championship, champion, Dominic Mysterio comes out and interferes into the fray, only for the title holders to return wearing Pittsburgh Penguins hockey gear and having hockey sticks as weapons. Yeah, that was funny. So you just see the camera um, on just the judgment day for a second and you know something's going to pop up behind them because it always happens and they're there going, yeah, we're winners, we're the champs. And then they turn around slowly and you just see Kevin um, and Sammy there in full hockey gear and you know they're going to get battered. And it was like so, it was so funny for us to see or like so interesting for us because we're huge hockey fans alongside wrestling fans. So that was, it was just really great to see yeah. that. And Kevin Owens, face full of blood. Yeah, so Dom, I think Dom, when he, sm he smashes Kevin's face, 
into like an electrical box and he must have just caught the corner by accident and so Kevin's actually hurt he's actually cut himself and as the match goes on he more and more blood comes streaming down his face but honestly we'll talk about something else in a second Kevin gets battered during this match he's bleeding you can tell he's injured himself he does not stop at all. He is 100% the entire match. He's given it absolutely everything. Like, he is a workhorse. Because he, he, because he comes he comes to the industry as a fan. Yeah. You know? Um, there was a really nice moment, sticking with the ice hockey theme, where Dom's got one of their sticks and he's behind them. And I think he hits Sammy in the back and both boys turn around. And they throw their gloves off and start battering Dom, which if you know ice hockey, obviously in ice hockey, if you want to have a fight, you have to Dropy drop does. gloves. Um, so it's really nice. You know, they're in um, Pittsburgh, so they're, they're, they're playing they're, into that ice, in the, the Pittsburgh yeah. Penguins ice hockey, which, yeah, it was funny. Yeah. But um, taking it back into the crowd, though, there was a huge spot within, uh, within the match. Um, Lauren, do you want to talk about Kevin Owens? Yeah, so there was a moment, um, and you can see what is about to happen before it does. This so, is this is the this is the Hardy Boys, Jeff Hardy feeling to it, and this is what got me so excited. So um, they're, they're you know, uh, Ko and Dom are having a bit of a thing, and then there's this table just randomly placed, and Ooh, you're like, "How convenient! <laughs> does this table look like it's going to get broken?" So Kevin, you know, he moves this table, he clears all the stuff off it, he puts Dom on this table, and because they're in the crowd, you've obviously got levels to it, and so he walks up the steps, so he's on a level higher than the table, and he does a very, very good. But also very badly placed Swanton Bomb off the level down onto the table. The actual um move, he was he looked beautiful doing it, but he missed Graceful. He was very say. graceful, but he missed. And so only his head, I think, hit Dom. So the table broke, it looked bad, but his lower body smashed onto the floor. And oh my god. We've seen Kevin injured. We've seen him fight fight through injury. I've never seen him scream in the way he did then. He looked in so much pain. Yeah. Oh, honestly, it was a really, really good, really amazing moment, but just badly landed. I re I really love Kevin Owens as a wrestler though because he he does play a lot into um, being a fan. Like mm -hmm. one of his finishes is a Stone Cold Stunner, although they just call it the Stunner there. And now he's doing a Swanton Bomb off the top as a homage to Jeff Hardy as well on Team Extreme. And he's not. He's not a you know really um, thin boy or anything like that as well. Quite often the high flyers are the ones that are very light. You know he is he is built and he's just so good at doing them moves off the top rope and stuff like that. I really really like him yeah. doing it. So whilst that's happening on the outside in the crowd, what's happening inside the ring, Lauren? Right. So you've got all the chairs and for me I don't really like chairs. I don't think the chairs. Wait, whenever chairs come out, I'm always like, oh okay, we're having some chairs. But this this was actually really <laughs> okay. Good. We're having some chairs. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like good, but this was a really good moment. So. Well, you have the tea, babe. Have some cheers. <laughs> so in the ring, there is I think it was either four or six chairs lined up, so the, the seats are face each other, almost creating a bed. Um, and Damon. We're going to bed, babe, on a stack of chairs. <laughs> Shut up. Sorry. <laughs> so Damien and Sammy are having a bit of a thing in the ring, um, and Sammy, uh, sorry, Damien picks up Sammy. And he slam like body slams him onto these chairs. And oh my God, these chairs, you know, if you slam someone onto a table, the table breaks and it kind of breaks your form. These chairs are very, very sturdy chairs. And he slams them onto these chairs and them chairs aren't going anywhere. The amount of pain that must have caused Sammy, like fair play to him. That move was incredible. I, I like winced when it happened. I literally sat there and went, 
out. That mm. must have hit. It was an insane move. Was it? It wasn't the end of Sammy though, because here he gets back up and they do a little bit of a back and forth. Um, and the Judgment Day's title hopes looked lost at one point, but someone gets interfered. So if you've been gets watching, interfered, interferes. There we go. If you've been watching, um, I feel like we we predicted this might happen, didn't we? And um, so obviously JD Madonna. It's been it's been hinted that he may be joining Judgment Day. He comes in and he interferes and he pulls um, he pulls Sammy off, doesn't he? Sammy was going to do the pin. He pulls Sammy off, um, and then unfortunately for him, he gets slammed through the announcer table. So he doesn't last long in the fight. But, like, but he, he does help him to stop that pin happening. But like he doesn't really get slammed through the announcer table. He almost gets thrown on the corner of the oh, table. Oh, he doesn't. He looks like he's like it, he kind of like. Bends like a piece of like a, like a ruler almost because the table doesn't fall fall apart because mm-hmm. I think uh, well from the years I've watched WWE I'm pretty sure they build that announce table in a way so when it when someone stands through it it falls gracefully because um, years ago when like Undertaker put mankind through the table and things like that um, it wasn't wooden it was like almost steel and you saw a dent but now I think they IKEA put in a way together where it falls apart. I don't think that was intentional. I don't think that table was supposed to go through that night, which it didn't. And that's why he bended like a ruler on the back See, of it. See, I thought it was just another misplacement. I thought that he needed to be on the table, but obviously he's on the corner of it and it hits his back, so I don't think he landed in a pressure Whether point. Whether it was intentional or it was a botch, it looked good. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it. So you've got Dom involved, and you've got JD Madonna involved. Who else needs to also get involved? Rhea Bloody Ripley, mm-hmm. aka Mammy. Mammy. So um, obviously she's got involved before. She loves getting involved. I I love the mixed gender fights that they have. I wish they did more of it. Um, but Rhea comes flying out and spears KO straight through the barrier, um, which is an incredible move. While this is happening inside the ring, um, Finn is down. Sa- is it Sa- Sammy is over him and Sammy is about to pin him um, and you know you think oh no Judgment Day are about to lose what what happens? Dominic Mysterio comes in with uh, Damien Priest's money in the bank and smacks Sammy over the head causing him to what maybe knock himself out mm-hmm. and Finn puts the puts his arm around him and gets the one two three and Judgment Day are your new WWE yeah. undisputed, undisputed tag team champions which I am so happy about we'll talk about it in one second but i thought that was a really nice ending the fact that you know finn has been knocked out i think four times with that briefcase he keeps being in matches he keeps going to win and somehow this briefcase is the reason he doesn't win and so i thought it was a nice like full full, circle circle moment that the briefcase was the reason that he did they did get the tag team champion i really did like that i I think we we touched on it briefly just there but i want to talk about it more Rhea Ripley getting involved in matches like this. She is a dominant woman, and I love seeing her in these in these like sort of mixed gender things. But she spears Kevin Owens through the timekeeper position, through the barrier. But she's got a match coming up later in the night, so she's she's a workhorse, and she, she deserves to be the women's world heavyweight championship. She reminds me a lot champion. of like China. She gives me them sort of vibes where she. I think a... she was wearing like an outfit that was a homage mm. to China during her match. Yeah. But yeah, I. I'd love to see more of that. She is such a powerful woman. She really comes across as a powerful woman and I want them to keep her like that. I don't want them to make her look weak in any way. But yeah, the the match overall, uh, it's fair to say the crowd was hot, the action was non-stop and the fact that there were big spots and vivid uh, elevated moments, for me, it was probably one of my my candidates for match of the year. Yeah, match of the night, 100%. Candidate for match of the year. 
Um, and I'm so happy that Judgment Day have finally won because I love Judgment Day. I think they've all got their characters down to a T. They're so powerful, they're so badass, they're proper heel characters. Um, and it's been really sad that they keep losing. Like, you want which them to is be weird, so powerful. Though. Which yeah. is weird because Dom's got the North American NXT champion, Rhea Ripley's got the Women's World, World Champion, and Damian Priest has the money in the bank. We thought if they were going to lose, because Finn has nothing, he brings sort of nothing to, to the judgment they got wise. We thought he was going to get kicked out or whatever. But for a, for a faction like that who's so dominant, they deserve all the gold. And it was good. To, it's good to see Finn having two belts around his shoulders alongside Damien and the rest of the crew. And Lauren, should we talk about Monday Night Raw when they came out on that? Or do you want to... Oh, right. So they came out on Monday Night Raw and me and Luke looked at each other and we both said the exact same thing. They looked powerful. Like, that was a scene. Like, I love to capture All right, that Lauren, moment. put the draw back in your mouth. Jesus. <laughs> they looked powerful. Like, they came out. They've got, you know, between them, they've got six belts between them, plus a money in the bank briefcase. There's only four of them. It's power. That is power. They man. looked incredible. I loved it when yeah. they came out. They are, the, they are the true definition of a heel faction right now. Yeah. And they are, they're workhorses and they deserve all their flowers yeah. right now. So on Monday Night Raw, they had a bit of, you know, look how great we are. We've got all the gold. It's nice to see that Dom is still getting booed to hell. Like, he still can't talk. That's not died down, which I think really um, goes to show how much of a great heel character he's developed. Yeah. Um, but JD Madonna comes out. Now, obviously, you could say that they do owe him because he did help them win them tag team titles. So. Well, yeah, Finn, um, interesting, interesting fact that Finn and JD McDonough uh, trained in the same place in, in Ireland and Finn's been teaching JD a lot of, uh, a, a lot of um, his moves coming up and things like that. So they're, they're close friends as it is, but Damien Priest just does not like JD McDonough. And he still has a problem with him now, even though he helped them win the, the tag team championships. But JD makes amends and how does he do that, Lauren? So JD comes out and he's got something in his hand that's covered and I think he can kind of guess um, what it's going to be and he goes to Damien, you know, you need to get rid of that briefcase and Damien's a bit like, oh, why? why? Like, he gets a bit annoyed and he goes, because look what I've got and he gives him a personalised purple Senor Money in the Senor, Bank. Oh, you said that with grace, thinking, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> money in the Bank briefcase, which we've been saying for a while, why has he still got the green one? It's like all he wears is black and purple. Yeah. It's, it, it looked really out of place. Um, but I thought it was a nice way to do it of getting JD to be the one that gives it to him but, and kind of like, look what I've done. Here's a favour for you. Yeah. But on that point of why, like him having the green money in the bank uh, case, I think I mentioned this before when we saw it. For someone who holds the money in the bank that long, usually they get a personalised one. Um, so it was nice to finally see that he got his personalised briefcase. But But that also goes to show... Is Damien going to hold on onto that for a lot longer than we think? Is Damien going to take that money in the bank up until WrestleMania? Yeah, that is true. Um, because I won't lie, I feel like thinking of all the big titles, they've all kind of got their own stories going on or like I've kind of got predictions of where I think they're going to go. And I really can't work out how Damien's going to fit into any of them. Like having that briefcase... I don't know which title he'd go for. I, I really... He's, he's, going for, he's going for one of the top ones. He's going for the World Heavyweight or the WWE. And in my head, you know, the World Heavyweight, I think Gunther's going to end up going for that at some point, which we'll get into him later on. And then Cody Rhodes... And then I think Cody Rhodes is going for um, 
going full Romans. So in my head, I just don't know where Damien fits into it. And I, I mean, I think he will have that briefcase for a while because they've got all the gold as it is. How much more do they need? You Usually when someone holds that briefcase for that long and like you, you're in a predicament where you don't know how someone's going to fit in, usually they cash in at WrestleMania because they're not supposed to fit in. It's supposed to be a surprise. Yeah. You know? So anyway, Sammy comes out at Raw. Um, he challenges Dom because we all know him and Dom have beef. JD gets involved, says, no, Dom, you're not fighting. I'm going to do it. And Damien does look impressed. Damien's kind of like, oh, okay, you're going to step up. Um, so we do see that fight. It was an all right fight. Yeah. Not a lot happened. Um, but Dom gets involved and ensures that JD gets the win, which I think is interesting. Um, because just before the match happens, we see a little backstage scene. And Rhea actually says to Dom, you go and do what you we have planned. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously Dom comes out in the match. So Rhea really, really wants JD to win. Is that because she wants Damien to come round so JD can join Judgment Day? Um, or I don't know, what, what, what do you think her motives were for that? Because she wanted to make sure that Dom got involved and ensure that JD got the win there. She is the one that's keeping Judgment Day together like glue. She knows how powerful they are. She knows that they run Monday Night Raw. Um, she runs Judgment Day. <laughs> that's where I was going to get into. Yeah. She sat there calling the shots amongst the amongst those guys. She is the leader of the Judgment Day. She is. You can't like after everything that's happened recently. You know, people have said, "Is it Finn? Is it Damien? It is Rhea. She is the powerhouse, and she is the one calling all the shots. And again, she, again, going back to what Austin Theory being young and got a bright future. Rhea's also really young. Yeah. What well, Rhea's like 26, 27 as well, and she's huge. Like she's always, always in the main event at Monday Night Raw. She has really good matches. She's a powerful woman. I just want to see more of her, like solo defending her championship yeah. because she's not doing that too like, often enough for me. No, like obviously she put on an insane match with Charlotte at WrestleMania. I think anyone who watched that match realizes how insane it is. But every match since has fallen flat. And yeah, I, but, but I don't think that's Rhea's fault. I think that's one it's the bookings, booking, yeah. yeah. But also the competitors, no one is as good as her, you know. She had that fight with Raquel. I don't really like Raquel as a wrestler. I think her character's plain, but I think her in-ring work's pretty plain as well. Like, she hasn't got someone that's going to spice up the ring and, and make Rhea look good. Yeah, well, they, they did have uh, a fight at Payback, Raquel and Rhea, uh, for the Women's Championship. I don't think we're going to talk about that one too much today. We felt that match fell a little bit flat. Um, brilliant idea on paper. Really good idea. Two strong women fighting with each other. Being me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah. Um, it was nice to see Judgment Day also on SmackDown. I think a lot of people agree that Judgment Day have taken over Raw. And some Raws recently have been way too much Judgment Day. They've taken up an hour and a half of it. So I think it's really nice that now they've got the tag team titles, they can go on to SmackDown as well. And it gives other people on Raw a chance to spend, you know, come out and show their mid cards a bit more. We have to get used to that now, though. Because they're the undisputed tag yeah. team champions, they can go between SmackDown and Raw as they please. I like that. I want to see them. I want to see, instead of seeing an hour and a half of them on Raw, I want to see, you know, half an hour on Raw, half an hour on SmackDown. You know what I want to see, Lauren? I want to see them split those tag team belts. Yeah. I don't want a tag team, I don't want a tag team holding both SmackDown and Raw tag team championships. I want them split because it basically makes other tag teams obsolete because, because of the draft. So, for example, the Brawl and Brutes, pretty deadly and all that. And if Austin Theory and Grayson Waller become a tag team, they're stuck on SmackDown. They can't go to Raw as they please. No, but 
they could win it when Judgment Day come to SmackDown. I, and that's what I'm so saying. My my I was actually thinking about this, and I don't know if they should split them because I don't think there's enough tag teams to split them. So Raw, you've got Judgment Day, you've got the Viking Raiders, you've got uh, the New Day, and you've got Drew and Rid- uh, Drew and Riddle. Yeah, mi- you're missing some... one. You're missing one. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, Alpha Academy, but I mean, we'll talk about them in a second. But I, I kind of want Chad to go solo. So, well, we, we do have Alpha Academy. But what? That's four or five on Raw. SmackDown. You've got Pretty Deadly. You've got who are out injured right who now. Who are out injured? You've got uh, the Brawling Brutes. You've got um, oh, you've also got Imperium on Raw, um, but you've got um. Who well, else? Now we just listen stuff. No, but what I'm saying <laughs> is, you've got say five tag teams on Raw. You've got about the same on SmackDown. Can you really have tag team champions for five five teams? I like that doesn't make sense to me. So I think having the tag teams united makes sense with the tag team going between Raw and SmackDown. So it could change um on what what brand it, it's won on. But then you've got ten teams competing for it rather than five. Like it makes it makes the tag team title seem more prestigious in that sense. You really you really do not sound like a job alarm. I'm gonna give you that for free. You really Thank don't. You. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, let's move on to what I would personally say was the highlight of this week, and that is the return of the one and only main event, Jay Uso. Uso dancing. By the way, can we just say before we get into it? Can we just say Jay Uso's new uh, entrance song, brilliant? Jimmy Uso's new entrance song, hot shit. garbage, hot <laughs> garbage, liars. Get that in the bin. Yeah. So at payback, we had the Grayson Waller effect. Um, he had Cody Rhodes as a guest. And I think everyone was predicting what Cody was going to do. He was going to say that there was a switch of brands. Well, we thought However, we thought that Cody was announcing that he was going to SmackDown yeah. to finish the story yeah. with Roman Reigns. I think everyone was predicting he was going to say it was him, but he, it didn't. What he said was, we have a new member, Monday Night Raw, and I will let I will say I had zero clue that it was going to be Jay. I, that would never even cross my mind. Um, but yeah, Jey Uso has now moved from SmackDown to Raw. Interesting, interesting. So the bloodline is officially over, is it? You know, the Uso is officially over. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think I really like this. I think this is a really clever move by um, the producers. Um, if you want, and I think this is what they do want, if you want a big match at WrestleMania, that is so far away, they needed to separate them. They needed them to have their own stories. So just before WrestleMania, they can bring them back together for whatever reason to create that fight. Because I do think we're going to see a Jay versus Jimmy at one of the big events. Well, they said they wanted that. So I think yeah. they're trying to give them that. Are they giving it to them too soon? Maybe or maybe not. Well, that's why they're separating them. Yeah. Um. So I really, really like what they're doing and having Jay hated on Raw. I really like that. You know, he's come over to Raw. Sammy's his only friend. Sammy's welcomed him with open arms. He's already said KO's not happy about it. We see Drew and Riddle come out. You know, they've both had... Drew's had issues with Roman. Riddle's had issues with Solo. They're both staring and down yeah. even evils. I really like this idea that Jay is hated and he's got to earn everyone's respect because that's going to create loads of feuds. It's going to create loads of storylines. I think it's going to make it interesting. Well, someone's already got respect for Jay Uso and that's Dominic Mysterio the Judgment Day. Are they trying to recruit Jay into the Judgment Day and expand even more? Yeah, this was this was strange. And I'm not sure what angle they're going with with this. Because Judgment Day helped the bloodline on SmackDown. 
and Dom would seem to be recruiting Jay. I just can't work out where they're going with that. I, I, I think the Judgment Day are really trying to confuse and split up the bloodline yeah. to isolate each individual. So, like, they're going to isolate Jay into the Judgment Day. They're going to confuse Solo and Jimmy about if the Judgment Day are on their side or not, which ultimately when Roman Reigns is not there, they he can't make the calls. Mm-hmm. So they're going to isolate Roman Reigns to be on his own to some degree so Damien can cash in the money in the bank. I like that. It's a good idea. Might be a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Might be a bit of a stretch. But I think one thing that was really interesting is we're all really excited about Jay joining Raw. Um, and then Adam Pearce drops the bombshell that if he joins Raw... Someone's got to go. Someone's got to go down to SmackDown to replace him. And ah, there are so many theories here. I mean, the obvious one is Cody. But again, is it too early? If you want to create Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania... It's too early for Cody to go across I don't think there. so. I don't think it is. Who do you think it could be? I, th- I think it's Cody. I don't think it could be anyone else. Okay. But I don't think it's too early. That 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 needs some serious momentum going up. Well, maybe, actually, maybe it doesn't. We've got months. Maybe We've it got doesn't. Like, we have got months. Yeah. Well, so WrestleMania in April. We've got April, six months. Six oh, even months? more than that, probably. October, November, December. <laughs> seven months. <laughs> You've got seven months. It just seems really far away. Um, I've seen people online suggesting KO. It was mentioned multiple times that KO wasn't there this evening. Um, I think somebody said they saw that a SmackDown in the future referenced KO, um, which they originally thought was because he had the tag team titles, but maybe he's going over there. Yeah. And I think that would be actually interesting because Sammy and KO, as great as they are as a tag team, they're both solo people really, aren't they? They're both, they're, but I think yeah, they're I think better they're by better themselves. Solo. I think they, they, they are, I'll try each other when they're yeah. a tag team. And I think that that could be a really nice way to give KO a new sort of storyline, a new journey, is splitting them up. Um, I had a theory, which Luke isn't too sure on. Because that's an even bigger stretch than my one. It is a stretch. But what if it's Finn? And my theory for it being Finn is JD's coming in for a reason, okay? And Rhea also mentioned when they had their backstage segment that they would, her and Don would carry on discussing this thing that they'd be discussing. And I thought, what if they're trading Finn and JD is going to replace Finn in Judgment Day? Because that I can't, could... I can't see it, Lauren. I can't get behind mm, you on that, that one, Chief. I just feel like, I don't know, maybe Judgment Day will stick together for a while, but there's got to be something going on in Judgment Day. They can't be perfect. They can't have all the titles and be this perfect faction. There's got to be something going on. So, yeah, maybe I just think... There ha- yeah, there theory. has to be a breakdown in the Judgment yeah. Day, like the Bloodline's done. But the Judgment Day are at their peak right now. You know what I mean? It took months for the Bloodline to start having a breakdown. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that multiple elements involved as well for the Bloodline to start having a breakdown, which is the time that you got into WWE at the Royal Rumble this year. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to see who goes. Um, And I hope it's somebody who's going to shake things up. I hope it's somebody who's... It's going to have a bigger impact than you think. My issue being is that watching wrestling over these years, and you know it as well as I do now, that the WWE and the creative team and the writer team, they're not exactly out there it's yeah. quite predictable with everything they do like it, it's it i'm just accepting that it's cody at this point if it's not cody then i'll shake your hand it makes sense for it to be cody considering get. he was the one who announced it he was the one that organized it it seems weird that he's organized jay coming to raw for no reason i feel like the only reason why he's gonna do it is so that he can go on to smackdown but we'll see what happens at that um so another big match at payback shinsuke nakamura versus seth Freaking Rollins 
for the World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, uh, I mean, with those two superstars, with their level of skill and their level of technicality, I think this match was a disappointment for me. Yeah, the match was slow. Um, there wasn't any big moments. I don't know if you want to talk about any big moments or just go to the end. So, so it was it it was a physical battle, nevertheless. The story leading up to this is uh, Shinsuke Nakamura knows about Seth friggin' Rollins' back injury. Apparently, uh, Seth Rollins has been fighting with a back injury for the last two years now. Um, but he you can't get it. Uh, you can't get surgery on it. You can't take the time off for it because, as you know, as a WWE superstar, if you lose momentum, it's very hard to gain it back. And he is the world heavyweight champion at the moment. Um, so Shinsuke Nakamura is really targeting the injured back of his rival that had been established before in, in vignettes and things and nearly puts him away uh, but unfortunately he doesn't uh, the visionary Seth Rollins fought, fought through all and delivers a stomp and retains his title bit of a strange ending for me the stomp was shit okay this stomp out of everything that happened in the match the fact it was this pathetic little stomp that not Shinsuke out to me. I hated it. I've seen some incredible stomps from Seth, and that was just not the one. Yeah. I, I, that was an awful ending for me. I, I found the, the most entertaining about that match was the video package that they played for Shinsuke Nakamura leading up to it, which was in a complete anime style yeah. sort of Shinsuke fighting Seth. I thought that was really cool. That was really creative. That was my highlight for me, not yeah. the match itself. Agreed. Uh, other and people might disagree, but for me, it was disappointing. Yeah. And then Monday Night Raw... Um, but hold on, hold okay, on. Before, sorry. before I move on that, it's fair to say that there was nothing flashy about that match. And there wasn't much storyline development. Yeah. So so is that the reason that, that match was poor? Because they're extending that feud between them. Well, that's what's confusing. So Monday Night Raw, um, Seth comes out. So actually, sorry, at the end of Payback, this was after it was cut. So if you watch Payback, you probably didn't see this. But after the match, um, Shinsuke batters Seth, essentially. He gets him out of the ring and he batters him into the back. Um, so on Monday Night Raw, Seth comes out and he's like, I'm not happy with the way that match finished. I want a rematch. Um, Adam Pearce tells him he's not cleared to actually be here, but, you know, he's out. And he offers Shinsuke the rematch. And Shinsuke says, no, he doesn't want the rematch. He doesn't care. And that just seems so weird to me. Like, you've built up this big fight. Shinsuke's turned heel for no, like, for a reason. He's done this fight, he's offered the rematch, and he says no. That is Shinsuke playing into his heel character. And I, and I, I love Shinsuke Nakamura as a heel right yeah. now. I, I was tired of, of... I felt like way before this, this storyline between Seth and, uh, and, and Shinsuke, I felt like he was having a hard time getting momentum or getting people to really pay an interest. He was in We About. Like, wasn't he in About with like Bronson Reed and things like that and all yeah. that kind of stuff? And it's like... I mean, he's he's playing Jane as it is, you know. So so I'm I'm really intrigued to see where Shinsuke goes with his heel character, and I think that's the reason he is rejecting that that match that rematch on Monday Night Raw because he wants to be in the biggest stages. Yeah. He is an excellent heel. I agree with that. And what 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 is perfect about it is that he never he speaks in his, he speaks in his native language. He never speaks English, so it just adds that sort of raw yeah. rawness to it. You know what I mean? Um, do you have anything else on that one? It was, it's all just a bit like flat for me. I, there's not a lot coming from it. I'm not that excited about it. But, you know, I wasn't excited about Trish and Becky and they pulled out a, sto a show-stopping match. So this could go somewhere, but at the moment, it's it's not really interesting me. Yeah, overall, Payback looked like a bad card when we watched mm. when, when, before we watched it. But I think it's fair to say that it overperformed, it, over it outperformed. And for what was a B-level premium live event, 
this was not a B-level premium live event. I think it was really good. Um, and it was nice to see the Judgment Day have their place in the sun with their gold. But who brings down the faction? That's the question now. But one match which was missing from Payback, and we were all like, I don't know why it's not happening at Payback, and was happening on Monday Night Raw, was obviously Gunther versus Chad Gable for the Intercontinental Champion. Yeah, I I was, I'm so look, I was so looking forward to this match, regardless of what whether it was on Payback or whether it was on Raw. But I really do believe that should have been on Payback because I said this to you last night, and I'll say it again. Chad Gable is probably one of my favourite wrestlers. He's not at the top level of being on the mic every week. He doesn't hold gold. But this man, in his technical wrestling, is incredible. And I, he could say nothing. He could be the playlist of characters. Just his performance in the ring alone makes me want to watch every single match of yeah. his. He is so entertaining. And to put that with Gunther, who has yeah. come a long way in the last few years, he also puts on incredible matches. This should have been a payback. This should have been a payback match. Obviously, this was the third match they put on, and they've not done a stinky match. Every single match a has stinky been. Match. Every single match has been insane. You know, you obviously had. Chad having to last five minutes and he does it and it's brilliant. You've Longer then than got, me. You've then got them fighting each other um, and Chad actually wins, but obviously it was he won by a count out, which means he doesn't get the championship. So this is the third match and it's really sad because I think anybody who watched that match knew Chad wasn't going to win because when you're four days off beating, the, beating Honky Tonk to be the longest reigning intercontinental champion, you knew Gunther was going to get the record. They're not going to stop him getting it four days before. So anyone going into that match, I'm pretty sure you would have suspected Chad to lose. But he put up a fight and he showed what he's made of and he showed that he is championship material. Yeah, yeah, he's, he is championship material. But um, for someone like Chad Gable, who's an Olympian uh, and doesn't have some gold around his waist yet, he, he hasn't won a single singles like championship. He's only ever held tag team gold. He deserves singles gold. Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to search up here, like who who has gone for surpassed other than the Honky Tonk Man? No, Honky Tonk was the longest. Yeah, he was then. the longest reigning one. But who who who? Roman Reigns, Triple H, uh, Ricochet. So we saw saw all the champions, didn't we? And one thing I really liked is Chad Chad and Alpha Academy all came out in gold jackets. It kind of reminded me of things like when you think of like UFC and stuff like that, where the champion comes out in the gold. It made me laugh, but um. Yeah, they looked great. Imperium, obviously, they're such a disciplined faction. They look great coming out. They always nail their entrance. There's some really great moments in the match. Um, there was an ankle lock that was really good. Um, when Gunther had his heel to Chad, um, Chad's throat when Chad was over the rope, which was really cool. Um, there was a really, really nice moment where there was like a few moves that linked into each other where... Um, yeah, so Gunther had his heel to Chad's throat over the rope. That went into a massive suplex from Gunther. And um, there was a, a superplex off the top rope from Chad Gable into straight into a frog splash, straight into an ankle lock. And it was so nice that he can link all their massive moves together and make him look really, really powerful, mm -hmm. which I liked. Um, Chad did a chaos theory, which looked sick. I love that move. It yeah. was such an impressive move. Um, but unfortunately, it did end with um, Gunther doing a power bomb, followed by a clothesline, and getting the pin. Getting to the win. one, two, three. It's really, it's really. It still angers me now. It really should not have been a Monday Night Raw match. It really shouldn't have. Now, 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 you've just given me the highlights of the match. Like, but you know what aggravated me when we watched it? Why did that match feature so many adverts? 
Yeah, like... There was, like, more advert breaks in that match than the, than the actual fighting. Ads ruined it. So I think it was, like, a 17-minute match, half of which were adverts. So uh, it's a championship match by two athletes that can put on an insane match. They are so good to watch, and you're filling it with adverts. It just... It, it ruins it. Yeah. Oh, anyways, I got, I got some interesting facts for you here. So uh, I got the top 10 longest reigning intercontinental champions. Go on, then. Oh, on. So number 10. Can you guess who number 10 is? I'm never going to be able to guess him. Triple H. Oh, he was an Intercontinental Champion. No, it was Cody Rhodes. Okay. He lasted 234 days as the Intercontinental Champion. Number nine, Shelton Benjamin. I don't think you know Shelton Benjamin. No, you do know Shelton Benjamin. You call him a jobber because (laughs) he's not around that many hours. The Rock, number eight. Uh, Mr. Perfect, number seven. Greg Valentine as number six. I don't know who that is. Uh, Don Don Morocco is number five. I don't know why I keep poking you every time I say it for your name. Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh yeah, number four. Uh, Pedro Morales is number three. Number two was the Honky Tonk Man, four hundred fifty-four days, and then Gunther is number one now with four hundred fifty-five days. And he deserves it. Let me tell you, like I love Gunther. I think he's excellent character. I think he's excellent in the ring. Every single one of his matches is hard hitting. You know, he wants it rough. He, he wants lo- the pain. He, he wants loves it him like a chop to the chest. Yeah, you know, he wants everyone to be covered in red marks and welts and everything like that. He loves it, so he deserves it. Um, but I'm just hoping Chad gets what he deserves as well. I still don't think it's as good of a match as Gunther versus Sheamus at Cash of the Castle, but I'm biased because I was there live. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay, so Luke, match of the week, go. Match of this last week between Payback, Raw and SmackDown. There wasn't a lot on SmackDown that really interested me this week. I think that's why we've kind of skimmed over that. Uh, Chad versus Gunther, Monday Night Raw, is, a ve- is, is very, it's up there for me. It's top, top two, but number one has to be the Steel City street fight with Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn and the Judgment Day. Yeah, I have to agree with everything you said. I love Chad and Gunther. I thought it was great. I love Trish and Becky. thought it was great, but nothing can top that Steel City cage match. Uh, Steel, Steel City street match. Steel City. Yeah, it was great. Uh, moment of the week. Moment of the week for me. Ooh, that's a good question, Lauren. I think just because when it happened, I put my hands on my head because I was scared of this person being injured and it just brought me back to my childhood. It has to be the Swanton Bomb from... Kevin Owens doing the Swanton Bomb from the barrier up onto uh, Dominic Mysterio mm-hmm. through the table. Mine has to be Jey Uso's return. I love Jey Uso. I'm, oh. It was such a shock. So surprising. Name I'm so, Jey Uso. so happy he's back. Predictions for next week. Yeah, where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. Where do we go? So I can definitely see sort of maybe Jay getting in a different... Kind of stuck in between Sammy and the Judgment Day. Because the Sammy and the Judgment Day have had their feud now uh, with the Tag Team Champions. They've just lost it. The Judgment Day are trying to acquire Jay, but Sammy's also giving Jay a hug in the ring. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sammy's his only ally. Jay doesn't know where to go. But the thing is, Jay got away from the bloodline because he's main event Jay Uso. Do you really want to put Jay next to someone again straight away? Yeah. Let him do his solo run at the moment, you know? Um, I think that. Hopefully, we'll find out who's getting traded. I think that'll be next week. I reckon SmackDown next week will know who it's going to be. I don't think they'll tell th- us on Raw. I think it'll be on oh, SmackDown. That's what I was going to say. Do you yeah. think they'll tell us or do you think no. they'll just come, just it'll, come out? It'll come out. It'll be a surprise. Hit and that's it, yeah. Um, I think we'll obviously find out if JD is joining Judgment Day. Um, I also want to see what happens with Jimmy Uso because it was really weird. He wanted out of the bloodline. 
he went against Roman, he went against Solo, and then on SmackDown on Friday, suddenly he decides he's back in Bloodline. Like, does he know what he wants? Has he got an ulterior motive? Does he have a plan? He, he's a bit lost of what he wants to do because he's lost his brother to Raw. Um, yeah, he, he. I think he's confused, and I think he wants to be alone, but he doesn't want to be alone in his, yeah. in his in his in his run at the moment. Do you think we'll see Roman next week? I don't. I don't think he's going to no, be back for we, a while. No, we don't. We don't see Roman because every time Roman appears on SmackDown, they announce him. Yeah. Next week, you get the Tribal Chief once again. It's like Jesus, man. Do you, so on Monday night. We already know we're going to have a celebration of Gunther for break, breaking the record, which is deserved. Is that going to give us an indication of his next feud? Is Chad ever going to get another go? Because I think Gunther's going to retain this title for a bit longer yet. I don't see, think he's going to lose. I don't think he's going to break the record and instantly lose it. I reckon we've got another couple of months of him being the title holder. I reckon he's going to lose it shortly before the Royal Rumble, and he's then going to win the Royal Rumble. Well, oh, that's a good shout. That's my actually. prediction. Well, I- he he was like. He lasted ages in last year's Royal Rumble. He was number one. He was number one. He He was in it till the end, right? Yeah, and then Cody eliminated him. So I think that he's going to hold on to this title till maybe maybe December, maybe like a month or so before the Royal Rumble. So so if he needs to win the Royal Rumble to go on to WrestleMania, he needs to lose his his title by, if they're doing it this year, the Elimination Chamber. Mm -hmm. No. Is it Royal Rumble, then Elimination Chamber? It is, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Okay, so Survivor Series is next. No, Fast Lane and then Survivor Series. That'll take us up to when? November. November, yeah. November, December. And Royal Rumble is January. So Elimination Chamber will be February or March. So I I, I have a feeling he's going to lose it around then. And then he's going to end up going on to challenge Seth for the heavyweight. Um, I hope... At the moment, if things stay as they are, I hope it's Chad that gets the title off him. I think he is the best person to take that Intercontinental Champion. I, I just can't can see you keep it. it. Can you keep the heat on him? That's the thing. I can't see them just giving, dropping a title for Chad at this moment. Um, I just, well, no, that's why I no, think it's going to be in a knowing, few months' time. Knowing the way WWE is, they never really give what the fans want. Um, yeah. or, or if they do, it, it takes a long while. As Triple H said, with everyone behind LA Knight right now, just got to be patient because things are going to be coming up for him but I mean it's taken a long bloody time yeah so we'll just have to see what happens next week yeah any other predictions or that's all mine you got any I, I want to talk about quickly with you you mentioned something earlier when Marvel Smackdown mentioned it in your mind War Games Survivor Series yeah so is they... it happening though War Games might not be happening this year, but if it does... I have read online that War Games is not happening, but I have not seen that from any official WWE people. I want War Games to happen at Survivor Series, and I want it to be Judgment Day. I want them to be in it, and I think there's a couple of people that they could go against. Yeah. Like who? Like who? You don't remember? Oh, right, Okay. um... Well, I did say one that I said, which you said no to, would be because they had a really cool moment on SmackDown. It's Judgment Day versus the Street Profits and Bobby Lashley. Yeah. And Bobby. Oh, Bobby's face off with Damian Priest. Ten out of ten. I loved it. I thought he was great. But I thought it'd be really, really good if we had um, the Street Profits versus Judgment Day, and you could get Rhea and Bianca involved. I have a question. Luke said that would never happen, but I thought that would be a cool one. Well, no, it wouldn't happen because it's P- the, we're, we're, we're talking about PG, WWE. It's very rare that they do mm. women versus men, like the uh, mixed gender matches. But I have a question regarding the face-off with Bobby and, and Damien. Do you think Bobby Lashley tattoos his eyebrows? I've never looked at him before. 
I think he has tattooed eyebrows. I will have a look at him next next time. Everyone look at Bobby Lashley's eyebrows. Ask him if he tattoos them. And um, who was it that I said though? I said someone really good. I can't remember who. I thought Judgment Day were going to go against in War Games. Oh, you, you said you, they were going to go against um, the Bloodline. Oh yeah, I did. I, I knew it was someone good. Yeah. So, what if it was? And I wasn't sure if Jay might be in it or not. But what if it was? So you've got Damien, Finn, um, JD, and who have I missed? Dom versus the bloodline you've got jimmy you've got solo you've got roman and somebody else joined them it could be the person that they I trained. thought you said that finn was going to be that was that was my theory yes yeah yeah sorry i i knew i'd gone somewhere so in my theory that finn is the person that gets traded finn is fuming that he's traded joins the bloodline so joins the bloodline maybe doesn't join them officially but joins them as a war game so you've got roman solo jimmy and finn versus jd madonna uh, Damien Priest, Dominic Mysterio, and Jey Uso, who has joined, maybe not officially joined again, but has joined um, Judgment Day to have that fight. Like That would be a cool fight. That is a lot That'd of powerful men who are very interested. Two massive heel factions fighting against each other. Powerful men beating me. I forgot I had that theory, and I actually think it's a really good theory. <laughs> me or me. All right, cool. Well, thank you very much for listening to the Heel and Java podcast this week. Hopefully this gives you an insight on what's happened the last week in WWE. Be sure to follow us on all social media. Lauren, what's that at? Because I keep forgetting it. Heel Jobber Podcast. At Heel Jobber Podcast on Instagram, TikTok and all those other things. That's it. Is that it? Yeah, so we just got TikTok and Instagram at the moment. We may get more, we'll see. We may get more. Like they, co- like they cost us. It's all free. <laughs> but yeah, thank you very much for watching. Hope you enjoyed it. If you're on Spotify, please do leave us a rating. If you can, that would be very much appreciated. Once again, see you next week.